Welcome to the 8manacademy.com podcast, a podcast for 8-man coaches by 8-man coaches. Each episode, we hope to blend 8-man football content you can put into practice with a few entertaining stories by 8-man coaches. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of 8manacademy.com podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 8-man academy. Today's guest is Coach Cole Harriman from Siloam Springs, Arkansas. He's currently the defense coordinator there for the Panthers. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Well, Coach, uh, we've only had one guest so far from Arkansas, so give us a little bit of your football background and, and how you got into coaching and where you're at now. Yeah. Um, my background's probably pretty similar to yours, um, both being sons of ex-coaches. In your case, your dad's still coaching, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up. My dad was a, a football coach, was a head coach. Um, became a head coach at a pretty young age and so spent most of his football career as a head coach, but just kind of grew up around that. And uh, anyway, was from uh, – uh, spent most of my years in Huntsville, um, which is about 20, 30 minutes east of Fayetteville um, in North Carolina, but um, I was born when my parents were living in Russellville. Um, my dad coached at like Camden Fairview, which is in South Arkansas, Moralton, and then spent um, been to a couple of places up here in Northwest Arkansas. So, anyway, life life as a coach's kid, you know, you're you're moving households, moving towns quite a bit. But anyway, good experience. Did you enjoy being the coach's kid? Like, were you the guy at practice all the time and riding the bus? Because uh, I'm in the middle of three boys, and some of us did that and some of us didn't. So how did you handle it as a kid? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think I had a choice. I, I was the oldest. I've got an older sister. She's the oldest sibling, and then I got a, a younger brother and a younger sister. Um, so being the oldest boy, uh, you know, I was in the field house on weekends, you know, after school. Luckily, you know, going to a small school like Huntsville, everything's on campus. So, you know, the elementary school is about a two-minute walk from the football field. So I just come down after school and hang out, watch practice. I was a ball boy from you know, five or six years old all the way up through, I guess, junior high. So. When you were young, did you think about being a coach, or was that something you figured out after you got into college? Yeah, I spent most of my childhood – you know, hoping to grow up and be a coach, you know, want to become a, like all kids, want to become a good player, but that wasn't in the books. So once I, I realized where my talent potential ended, um, you know, kind of figured I'd, I'd become a coach. I, I spent my first couple of years in college, you know, like most college kids just enjoying it and trying to find different venues. But uh, I think by the time I was a, a junior in college, it, it uh, the coaching bug got back to me. Well, I know you are a uh, film junkie, and as a defense coordinator, you know, you're waist deep in film all the time, and, uh, you know, you've got a lot out there, and, and, and you're a, a young coach. So you do a lot with technology, and you've built a lot of scouting reports, playbooks, all that stuff. I've seen you at work, and you do a tremendous job in your preparation. Talk to us a little bit today about being a defense coordinator and, and maybe your seven-day cycle and then what you're looking at when you first get an opponent film. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's funny. I was thinking about it this morning. Um, there's really no 
you know, there's really no start day. It's just, you know how it is. It's just an endless cycle um, of, you know, as far as preparation goes. Um, I, I would say, so like on a weekly basis, um, by Thursday, we've probably got Friday night. I mean, we've got the game plan for Friday night settled. So Thursday morning, I usually start. Um, how our conference usually works is we usually have, we've got a pool on huddle. Um, and so we'll usually pull from that. If we're if we're if now during non-conference, we usually try to get game filmed by Wednesday um, for the next week's opponent. So usually by Thursday morning, I'm taking a look at the following week's opponent, um, and I'm just you know it's a real brief view, and, and I'm just looking at their strictly obviously strictly their offense. Um, I may start data inputting personnel um, formations, just kind of basic stuff. But, not trying to go in depth at all. And then, you know, Friday, obviously Friday, I just devote entirely to that that night's opponent. So, um, I guess um, Saturday, probably Saturday morning is whenever I pick up the following week's opponent. Um, you know, I've got um, Friday night post-game. I usually try to take care of everything from that night's game, statting it, um, grading, charting, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then all, you know, I've, we've got, so I'm defense coordinator and I coach defensive backs. We've got two other strictly full-time defensive coaches, um, our linebackers coach and our defensive line coach. And so, um, they helped tremendously with data input and with the breakdown. And so we've all kind of got specific assignments, um, Saturday, um, See, Saturday we will we'll usually break down the previous three um, game films. So we've probably got the two game films from the two previous weeks um, and then waiting to get that third one once the other team uploads it in the pool or trades it with us Saturday morning. Um, and then from there, it's just mostly Saturday. It's just all, all devoted to huddle. Um, you know, we'll, we'll break down. Like I said, we'll break down. I'll usually do personnel formations, um, and then I'll do like the offensive play calls for the runs and passes, what we call them. We try to call everything based on our offensive terminology. We try to keep it simple for the kids, um, especially this year. Um, you know, we're, we're a 6A school. Um, we've got 1,300 kids in our high school, but uh, we're dressing – I think we traveled with 47, 48 the other night. So, um, we've got kind of kids playing both ways. So, we want to make it as simple as we can. Um, um, we've got um, – so uh, – Okay, so you've got – Oh, I just got yeah, to go ahead. a little bit. No, go ahead. You've got three to four coaches inputting data, and you've selected all your columns and huddle. You want, you know, these ten categories – uh, but what's important to you with that data? What reports are you running? Rank tendencies may be in order. Like, are you a formation guy? Do you believe coaches are down in distance uh, is more likely? Do you look at the field boundary? So you've got all the data in. Now what? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'd say with just how our defense is set up. So we're a, we're a field boundary-based defense. Um, Typically, I mean, if we're going to play, if we're going to see a lot of spread teams or a lot of teams that utilize the field, then then we'll be fielding boundaries. So, yeah, we look at formations. Um, you know, our number one goal is to get aligned correctly. So we want to make it as simple and as easy for our kids to get lined up right. I think that's the, the 
probably the biggest hurdle is just getting lined up right once you get that done. Um, you know, it's, it's less of a headache to worry about. So we'll look at formation. Um, you know, as far as the plays uh, that the opponent runs, um, our, we're, we're lucky because our offense is pretty um, diverse. I mean, we're a zone scheme, a gap run scheme team. We'll, we've got um, plenty of pass concepts. So really anything in a given week outside of wing T, flex bone, um, you know, we'll, we'll have it in our offense. And so it's not too foreign to us. After, for me, I go and put all the data, but I really don't feel like I've watched any film yet, you know, because you just see it in little two-second snips. So then I have to go back and actually watch the film. And I like to watch it as a game entirely uh, at least once over the weekend to kind of get an idea of what he's trying to do, what his goals are, and try to get that flow. Because even in little snips, even if you watch, like, playlists of just – run or pass or screen or whatever I think you know you're not seeing it in its entirety so as you're watching just one game if you weren't charting it what are some things that are sticking out in your mind real quickly that you know we need to work on or we need to stop this are you key on personnel are you key on um formations um I know you said you're big film boundary but if if I just gave you a video of some team you've never seen before but I told you you had to get ready to play them this week. What are the two or three things you're looking at in that game film? Uh, number one, the quarterback. Is he a difference maker? Um, you know, most most people we see, the quarterback is some kind of difference maker. Um, so, can he run the ball? Um, if he can, then that's going to that's gonna make things a little bit tougher. If he can't, um, how good is his arm? Um, what are they trying to do with him? Is he a, a quick game pass or they drop back? Um, sprint out, get them on the edge, that kind of stuff. Um, look at their offensive line, um, you know, outside of their run block schemes. How do they pass protect? Is there anybody good? So this last Friday night we played a team that was pretty heavy run, and their their left side of their line, their left guard, left tackle were, were really good. So we knew that running the ball to the right, uh, and they were gap schemes, so running the ball to the right was um, pretty, pretty beneficial to them. Um, and then outside of that, just playmakers. Um, anybody at receiver, what's running back look like? Um, how's it fit into their scheme? But kind of going back to what you said, before I put in any data Saturday morning, I'll, I'll do what you said. So, like, today, I mean, since it's Labor Day weekend, we'll get an extra day. So, yesterday, I just spent um, – yesterday just, just watching, you know, the, the game film. And I'll watch it all the way through. I'll watch the opponent's, you know, defense – and how they do, how their special teams look, if they're playing any guys both ways, um, you know, especially that's that's pretty critical. So the team we're playing this week, their starting tight end is starting at nose for them, you know. Um, so he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be gassed pretty early too, just like if we were playing our kid both ways at nose. Sure. Do you create uh, depth charts? Is that important to you? I mean, do you get into the actual personnel when you scout? I mean, number 44, tight end, 6'3", 220, you know. Not really. Likes purple soda. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've yeah, seen some I mean, guys that really get down and deep yeah. on personnel. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the college scouting reports, and they go really – I mean, we don't have the time to do it, and I'm sure most of, most of your listeners don't either. Um, 
early on in my career, I wanted as much data as I could get. And I still want a lot. Um, the older I get, the less and less important it becomes than just, you know, how it is. And I'm, I'm 32, so I've still, I, I've, I haven't been coaching very long, but, you know, I feel like just by watching a team, you can start to figure out, all right, what's their game plan? You know, what, what do they like to do? What's their MO? How are the kids, you know? So the personnel part, we just make it as basic as we can. Um, what's the quarterback? So like on our scouting report page, we just have one line for the quarterback, one line for the running backs, one line for the offensive line, you know, one line for the receivers or the tight end, the H-back. And we just try to keep it simple. Are they physical? You know, are they a possession receiver? Are they, you know, vertical threats down the field? Okay, so you've done all the film work. You've got everything inputted. You've ran your reports, kind of know who they are. What's Sunday like for the defensive staff? How do you start forming your game plan? Uh, yeah, usually Saturday while we're watching, I mean, uh, we've all of us kind of have it in our minds what, you know, our own ideas of how we're going to attack. And, and our staff's really good, really cohesive. Our head coach uh, is a defensive-minded guy. And so he's 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 involved, uh, which helps out a ton. So we'll we'll meet Sunday at like one o'clock, um, and then we'll kind of throw all of our ideas together. And uh, that's Sunday is really just about uh, you know once the data is all input, we'll um, we'll get like an alignment page up. So we'll put up their top. So every day of practice, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the first five minutes of defensive practice is just an alignment form, you know, aligning to their formations. And so Monday at practice, it's really slow. All right, here's their number one formation. Here's how we're going to line up to it in our base defense. Monday is just a base defense day for us. So, and then by Thursday, I mean, it's lagging fast. And our kids, you know, at that point, have seen it all week. They've seen it over and over. They're communicating fast. So anyway, we'll do that on Sunday. Um, just put play cards together, um, you know, and then what, what I like to try to get to is um, so our call sheet for that night. Um, uh, it's based on hash, left hash, middle, and right hash. And so what I like to do with uh, position coaches, with our head coaches, sit down and try to put together, hey, what are our left hash calls this week? What's our middle calls? What's our right hash calls? And so that makes it, um, you know, a lot easier during practice during the week. Um you know, we draw up our cards like everybody else does. Um, left hash, middle, right hash, and go back and forth. And then um, just makes it easy to put, put together a script for the week. So everybody's practiced it all week, coaches included. It's not like on game night we're going to run or call or signal a blitz that we haven't worked on in two weeks. I mean, whatever you're going to call on Friday, you're calling on Monday, or at least introducing it. Yeah. So Monday, we try to keep it like a base day. Um, we do a top four where um, we see their top four runs, top four passes, regardless of what the run pass percentage is. I mean, they could be, you know, we're, we're, we'll see one of the week seven. Um, we'll still work on, you know, their top four passes that week. Um, Tuesday, we'll start. We try to go down in distance on Tuesday and Wednesday. So Tuesday, we think of it like a first down, second down. Um, Last season, we weren't real good on second down, so we're trying to put more of an emphasis on that. Um, 
Wednesday is third down day, so that's when we're working all of our stunts and pressures and blitzes and all that good stuff. And then Thursday's game script, and we've got everything put in. And hopefully our kids are comfortable. How many components do you have in your weekly practice, or do you have a checklist like – you want to get scale in three times this week. You want to get inside in twice this week. You know, how many little chunks of practice do you have and, and how many of those do you try to get in Monday through Thursday? Do you have a – is it the same every week or does it change versus opponent? Yeah, I mean, it's going to change. Um, you know, if we're going to see a spread, then we're going to see a little more – we're going to see a little more uh, scale period. But we try to keep it we, – we, we try to keep the same practice template and once again, that just makes that's one less thing we got to we got to worry about. I don't like sitting down on Sunday and having to think out of our practice plan. All right, here's what we got to do this week. You know, we keep the same system. It makes practice run smoother. Um, and then within the practice periods, we'll just tweak it for based on who we're seeing. Um, you know, if we're gonna, like I said, if we're playing a spread team, we'll do we'll usually do scale a couple of times a week. Um, Tuesday is a big defensive day for us, so we'll hit everything. We'll hit scale we'll hit inside run and then we'll have 15 20 minutes of just straight team um you know if we're playing wing t then maybe tuesday's team period is just wing t basics we're just you know and all the cards it's just buck trap you know and weak side iso waggle if it's a spread rpo team then maybe tuesday's team period is just strictly rpos do you get individual time position group every day? Yeah, I uh, try to do it um, Monday and Tuesday for sure, um, Wednesday. And we're already trying to – we're trying to scale down practice. Um, too. We tried to keep our same practice schedule we've had in the years past, and and we're starting to scale it down. But I'd say Monday we get about 10 minutes, Tuesday 10 to 15 minutes individual time. Do you tackle inside that period, or how do you approach tackling with your whole team philosophy? Um, Tuesdays, tackle day for us. Um, you know, anytime in your individual periods, you know, if we did a crappy job tackling Friday night, then obviously Monday we're probably going to come out and, and do something. But Tuesday we will either have a tackle circuit um, with everybody involved, or if we're playing, like I said, if we're playing a, a spread team, then we'll do a um, – more of an open field tackle drill with just linebackers and DBs. So Tuesday, I'd, I'd probably say 10 minutes devoted to tackling on Tuesday and then whatever else you want in your individual time. How much off the field work do you have with the kids throughout the week? I know you make a paper scouting report. I know you share it electronically. Um, mm -hmm. You might talk about that a little bit. And then do you watch, how much film do you watch with the kids throughout the week and how do you schedule that? Yeah, um, well, so I think about last year, um, <clears throat> you know, we, what our head coach does a great job of is we try to run our program like a big-time program, even though we don't have big-time program numbers. Um, I think back to um, when I coached at smaller schools, obviously your film time is going to be limited, a little more limited. Um, if we're going to bring kids in, so like we – we traditionally have brought our kids in on Sundays for like a recovery lift. And then afterwards we'll break up into film groups and watch a little bit of film. Um, when I, when I coached at small schools, I, I tried to keep it to 15 minutes and, and really even now, I mean, you know, there's that threshold for attention span. 
since COVID, I'll tell you, and, and if you haven't tried it, it's awesome. Um, it's this little tool you can use with Google called Screencastify. I don't know if you guys have, have heard of it or used it at all, but you basically just, you record yourself. I mean, it's like Zoom, you record yourself and you can uh, share your screen. And the lag time, the only problem with like Zoom is if you want to watch film over Zoom, the video, you know, the quality. Real choppy. Yeah. yeah. And with Screencastify, since it's all just recorded and downloaded, you don't have that problem. Um, you're not physically sitting there with your kids. So that would be, that's the only downside, but it's another, just another tool that you can do it. So instead of meeting with our kids to watch film now, that's what we do. So we'll send out, like I sent out, um, you know, Friday night's report, Screencastify for the defensive backs on their performance. Um, yesterday, last night, you know, try to keep it 15 minutes. I'll send out the scouting report, just an overview. Same thing, try to keep it five to 10 minutes. And I'll probably send them out tomorrow. But then throughout the week, do you bring them in on Tuesday to watch a little film? Do you bring them in on Wednesday to watch a little film? Do you do that at lunch or before? Not school? now. Nope. Okay. No. Um, we, uh, so we'll, we'll watch, um, Tuesday, obviously, big defense practice. We'll watch that film, and then we'll just send it out to our position kids uh, in Screencastify. And even last year before COVID, we didn't we didn't watch a whole lot with them. Um, you know, I've I've been I've done it a million different ways. I've done it where we started we didn't we didn't get on the field till three thirty because we were you know in meetings and film for an hour. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't know. Different ways to skin a cat. Sure. Talk about your defensive communication a little bit during the game. Uh, are you a wristband guy? Are you a signal guy? Um, I know everybody's got headsets on. How do you use the booth? Um, and how do you execute your game plan a little bit within your staff? Yeah. Um, we're a signal. Um, so I'm in the booth on Friday nights. Um, uh, we've got our linebackers coach that signals for us. Um, you know, we're we're all about trying to keep things as simple uh, as we can. We we want our guys to play fast, not have to not have to think about too much. So even our even our our calls, we try to keep them short. Um, but we'll signal. Um, so I, I'll typically, you know, as soon as the play is finishing, um, I've already got in my mind you know, where the ball is on the hash, field zone, what their tendency is. And then, you know, the first quarter is all about your game plan. And then after that, it's just about adjustments. So, we'll um, – but, yeah, we'll signal and uh, try to get in as fast as we can. If we're playing a tempo team, hurry-up team, then we'll uh, um, we'll try to bring it down to, like, one-word calls. That's an interesting point. And I know you played a several of those last year. Uh how can you get ready for those guys on Tuesday and Wednesday? How, how do you make your scout team simulate, you know, something that's that good and that efficient? How do you work on no huddle prep with a bunch of sophomore scrubs who can't tie their shoes running against you? Uh, uh, it's been a couple of weeks ago, but a coach on Twitter posted, like, there's one universal truth in football, and that's that all scout teams cannot read a card. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> If we've got the numbers, um, we'll try to do two scout books. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, 
when you're in a small school and you don't have the numbers, I've done it where, you know, you just try to get 11 kids over there and it may be the same two or three plays, but you know, you just get them to line up fast. I mean, I've done it where we don't even have a scout team and we just put the ball on the minus 20 and I've got a list of calls and Hey, I'll just yell out the formation and then they'll get lined up and we'll have a coach, you know, with a ball and a stick or something. They'll snap it. We just want to look at their first movement. We'll blow the whistle. All right. And then we'll move the ball up 10 yards, you know, minus 30 middle. Which our call, and we're, we'll get lined up. I mean, there's, that's, gotta, gotta make work with what you got. Well, that's an interesting concept. Everybody has offense on there. I don't know how many people do defense on there, but yeah. you can go fast and you can scream at them and create a little chaos yep. and make their brains function at a different level. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I'll tell you, I, I, I love doing, uh, when I coach seventh grade football, <laughs> we used to practice on rainy days because we didn't have anything else. We just go into the gym and I'm telling you, pursuit drill in a gymnasium is awesome. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any louder, any more chaotic than than doing that in a gym. Um, you know, when it's 100 degrees and gets tired. But good stuff. That sounds like a cluster with seventh graders. They can you know, line up anyways. <laughs> it, it is. It is. But you know, you. I think you got to throw them in the fire. You got. You got to. You got to get them exposed to it. Sure. What about – tell me about this, because I'd never seen this until I moved to Arkansas. I'm sure Oklahoma schools do it now, too, at the bigger level, 5A, 6A. But talk about what you guys do with your one-way defensive players in between series, that big thing you guys sit up on the sideline and all your chairs and tent and all that stuff, because it's awesome. It's like, to me, like something the pros do. I know they don't do it in college because it's illegal to have the replay uh, technology, but talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um – that was I'd never I'd never had anything like it until I came to Siloam. Um, it's it's awesome. So we've got one, you know, flat screen TV that we set up on the sideline. We put it on a little rolly cart, um, and then we've got you know some canopies that we'll set up, put chairs out there. You know, I um, my first job out of college was at Sheridan High School, and that they were. Um, in the state's second largest classification. So that was really my first exposure to big school football. And and we played guys specifically one way there. And so um, it was the same type deal. Um, you're one-way guys. You want to get them over to the bench now that we can watch video. So we've got our huddle sideline set up. Or we'll usually have a freshman, a ninth grader, up in the press box filming on an iPad, and that streams it down to the sideline. And so our one-way guys, we'll get them on the bench, and then we'll just go through. I'll be in the box, and I'll be talking with our linebackers coach and just run them through. All right, here's first down on the series. You know, here's what here's what didn't work right. Here's what worked right. You know, here's who missed the call or missed the play, whatever. So it's awesome. It's awesome to have. Um, the only problem is, is throughout the night, you know, your, your one-way guys are still kids. They want to watch the game. So it, it, it is a process to try to get them into that mode of, hey, get your butt to the bench. This is making us better. This is beneficial to us. You know, you can go back and watch offense on Saturday morning on huddle. You know, we got to get our stuff right now. I think it's awesome. I Like I said, I've never been a part of a staff that had done something like that. And you guys, I mean, just describe it for our audience, but it's the huge track tents, sometimes two of them. 
the big canopies and a big screen TV and chairs. And so, Hey, you get off your feet for a little bit, you know, <laughs> if it's hot, you may get in the shade and get a drink, but then you can just watch those last three snaps and make an adjustment and we're getting better now. We're not waiting until Sunday or Monday to fix it. It's second quarter. And, uh, you know, we've got this technique tightened up or we bumped the guy over cause we're in the wrong gap and now it's good. And we can go out there and play football. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah and you know, I, I'm, I gotta believe there's software out there. You know, I don't know what we pay for huddle sideline, but I'm sure there's something there where if you've just got two iPads, if you can put a, a you know, put a student manager or put a freshman up in the press box and, film with one and then just if you don't have one-way guys you know any little bit of time um between series or between um you know into the first quarter if you can have it on on the sideline it's awesome it's it's really good to have i think for eight man guys are listening today yeah just if you could steal it at timeouts and change possession uh after scores but even at halftime you know if you had five minutes of your 15 minute halftime dedicated to these six plays. If we go make these adjustments, we're gonna have a chance to win the game. But kids never believe you. Hey, line up on the hash. I'm on the hash. No, you're not. Line up on the hash. Coach, I'm on the hash. No, you're not. And then, you know, we used to have those arguments all the time 10 years ago and couldn't fix it until Saturday when you showed them, dude, you know we're near the hash. (laughs) But now you've got it in the first quarter and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm not on the hash. I need to move over, you know, five steps to my left or whatever. But, uh, I think kids just are visual because of the world they live in now with all their technology. Um, not that they don't trust the coach, but they really believe they're doing it. And so the argument is I'm doing my job coach because I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing. And then you show them and they're like, Oh yeah, I could do this better. or I could do that better. And, um, now that, the flip side is the other team's doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So the evolution of the game, uh, you know, what used to take weeks to get better at, they're getting better, we're getting better, they're getting better, we're getting better every possession, but it still leads to a, a cleaner, better football game, I think. And it's yeah. going to make those live adjustments and and uh, go be successful. Maybe in the eight-man world, it might be a huge advantage. You know, you might be the only team in your schedule that has something like that. And yeah. so you're – kind of cheating the system getting ahead of your opponent because you're getting better in the second quarter and they've got to wait until halftime to fix that yeah no you're you're right i mean it's we all used to rely on just the halftime adjustments you know because that was the only opportunity especially if you're a small school or an eight man that's the only time you get an actual chance to sit down and talk about anything you know everybody's off the field so just having that visual and even if it's not even if you can't watch it for the kids just having it for the coaches is awesome, you know. I mean, your guy up in the box, you know, even if if you have a guy up in the box, your guy up in the box can't see everything, you know. Um, and so just having that tool is, is huge. Or how many times have you been in a huddle and said, you know, where'd that guy come from or who was that guy and nobody has an answer for you? Yeah. Or they all swear – on the Bible that this is true, you know, and those guys agree with each other because they're going to back each up, other up, you know, those teammates. And then you go watch film Saturday morning. You're like, that wasn't who that was. You liar. That was the tight yeah. end. You told me it was okay. back. <laughs> I, I was screaming in the box Friday night because I thought our outside linebacker, who's a pretty good dude, 
kept getting blocked by their inside receiver, you know. And so I was screaming my head off that our backer can't get off a freaking block of a receiver to make a play. And I go back and look, and, you know, it's the H back out of the backfield mm-hmm. who's a thousand times more physical. Sure. You can't – you just – you can't see everything with your own eyes watching everything. Right. Well, Coach, I know you've got a lot of good stories because you've had an a interesting career already as a young coach, but you mentioned Sheridan. Tell us a little bit about who your head coach was that year and, and what you learned there at Sheridan. Yeah, I, I was uh, – I got, I got really lucky. So, out of college, I went to um, – I got my undergrad at University of Arkansas. I was just a um, regular college kid there. Um, and then uh, didn't get a degree in coaching, got a degree in history. Uh, that was the quickest way to get a four-year four degree. And then got my master's through a, um, a different college, but it allowed me to um, start teaching immediately. Didn't have to student teach, didn't have to do anything. Hey, if you get hired for a job, then uh, um, you, know, you can kind of bypass all the – all of that. So I just put my application in everywhere. And luckily I got an interview at Sheridan, which is about an hour South of Little Rock. Um, <clears throat> got hired there to coach um, a varsity defensive line. Um, and then was a, uh, my second sport was girls basketball, which was a whole adventure to itself. <laughs> but our, my, my head coach down there was a guy named Lewis Campbell. Um, he's a legend in Arkansas, Razorback football. He, uh, was a player for the Hogs, um, uh, and then turned around and was a coach for him for a long time. Had coached it. Um, some of your Oklahoma guys probably remember him. Uh, he was Oklahoma State in the eighties. Um, you know, coach <coughs> coached in the pros. Uh, I think was a a quality con- control coach um, for the Buccaneers for a period of time. Was at Mississippi State with Sylvester Croom, and just a great guy. Had a ton of stories. Um, he began his career as a GA for Bear Bryant at wow. Alabama. And yeah, the stories he he had were awesome. Just tell us a little bit about what you learned from that guy. I mean, you're hanging around an NFL football coach in a high school setting for a year. Surely he did something with that young guy and made you do something that made you better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because growing up and then all through high school and all through college, you know, I was just a small school kid. My dad had always coached at small schools, so I was really, you know, I knew a little bit of football, but not a lot. <coughs> Sorry. He, uh, Coach Campbell just opened the world to me to, I mean, just from a schematic standpoint, you know, I remember I, I never – and I was only there a year, but I never, you know, I barely scratched the surface on on the knowledge that he had. And I mean, we were running stuff that he had ran at Mississippi State that he had borrowed from Tampa Bay that, you know, I mean, just, just crazy. And he had done it in such a way where he had simplified it that, that high school kids could run it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Talk about stories. Probably my um, – one of my favorite stories was – when he was GA and for Bear Bryant, he said it was, uh, you know, it was early November. Uh, it was election year. <coughs> he, uh, they were sitting around the office. It was, I'm sure it was Tuesday morning. And uh, they got down with their staff meeting and Bryant told him, hey, before we come back this afternoon for practice, 
make sure you guys get out, you go vote. One of the uh, one of the other GAs was like, vote, coach. I'm you know I don't care about this election. I don't you know I've got no dog in the fight. And he said Bear Bryant chewed his butt for about 15 minutes, you know, for not going out and voting and not doing a civic duty. So anyway, that was that was one thing Coach Campbell always talked about was you know Bear Bryant was a stickler for for being a good citizen, being a good human being. Anyway. So everything across all the yeah. T's and all the I's, not just in football, but everywhere. Yeah. Did you, I know you said your first experience with high school football, but you've been a lot, you've done a lot of coaching now. So when you look back, I mean, what other innovations did he bring to the high school level? Cause for you, it was a big school, but that guy's coaching pros. So you know, I wonder what he thought when he's on the practice field looking at these guys that run a five-two forty, and he's trying to yeah. whip them into some kind of team and go win football games. Yeah, um, that was that was the first time where I had seen, especially defense football, seen it from a perspective of coverage down. Which that's just that's the the world that we live in now. Um, you know, I played linebacker in high school. I coached linebackers early in my career. And so to see it from a coverage down standpoint was new. Um, you know, we ran a lot of different coverages that year. Um, a lot of them were effective though. And like I said, the kids, he'd, he'd done a great job to simplify it for the kids. Um, well, let's finish up with a little bit of secondary cut because you're currently the secondary coach, which is interesting to me. I, I think what you just said, a lot of uh, defense coordinators probably used to be linebacker coaches uh, because they would think front first and mm -hmm. just, you know, play quarters behind it or whatever was simple to teach uh, because nobody threw the ball when I was growing up. But now it is almost secondary forward to get the whole picture. So talk a little bit just about being a position coach and a secondary coach and some of the things you go through weekly and maybe even type of body or the type of kids you're looking for. Is there a difference between a safety and a corner body type? And do you drill them differently? And just give us a little spill on being a secondary coach. Yeah, this is uh, this is actually the first school where I've I've coached secondary exclusively, um, and so um, you know the, the game that we see in eleven man today is just it's so. I mean, you know, 70% of our opponents are spread. So when you start thinking about how you want to structure your defense, it only makes sense to start from the back end. Um, you know, we try to keep things really, really simple. We have like one base coverage um, that we run that we've got a bunch of different checks for based on what we see, but we could theoretically, we could run it versus empty or we could run it versus wing T. Um, as far as the positions, um, you know, when at small schools you get – you got to make what you got. Um, even at Salem Springs, we, we have to make do with what we have. Um, ideally, we want our corners to be our fastest kids. Um, we will ask them to play some man coverage. Um, if, you know, if they're, if they're pretty, fast, uh, pretty fast for us, um, you know, we may ask them to play some press man um, huge becoming more and more believer in press man if you can do it um i think it eliminates a lot of the perimeter stuff the quick screens and the quick throws um 
if not, just then they need to be able to run and they need to be able to have great hips, great feet, um, you know, have a knack for the ball. Maybe not the best hands, but definitely have a knack for the ball, find, track, you know, tracking ball in the air. Safeties, um, you know, they got to tackle. Um, ideally, we want our corners to tackle too, but you know how that how that is. But that's kind of non-negotiable with our safeties. Our safeties got to be um, some of the best tacklers on our team. Um, got to be able to guys in, in the open field, you know, if you're looking for a sport comparison, we, you know, outfielders probably your best bet for a safety, like most everybody, you know, our free safety um, has probably one of the most simplest jobs in our defense. I mean, he's going to play the same thing the majority of the night. So our free safety doesn't have to think a whole lot. Um, we look for just about as pure of an athlete we can find, whereas our bandit safety is more of a strong safety type. Um, roll down to the box so he doesn't have to be big but he's got to he's got to have a hard-nosed mindset be physical and he's a tackler i mean the kid you have there right now could easily be an inside linebacker yeah yeah he's got he's got a, a really good um a really good hard-nosed mentality um you know we uh we're we started out as like a four two five our outside linebacker for a lot of people, that's like a nickelback, but we we still try to keep it like linebackers. So we really just have four true DBs on the field. Um, but yeah, our our free safety is um, he's the pure athlete, and then our backside safety is uh, more of the run fitter. I guess if you want to look, our corners we just it's based on who who we're playing um, and who we who we have out there playing. We may have one week we may have like a zone corner in a man corner that we put in the boundary. Um, like this year, we've just got two seniors, and they've been playing. One's been playing the left corner. One's been playing the right corner most of their career. So we just tell them, hey, just stay there. You know, if we've got an old kid and a young kid, then we may play the old kid to the bad guy sideline. We play the young kid to our sideline where we can be in his ear and mm -hmm. up a little easier. You mentioned hips and footwork. What are some of your favorite drills? If you – you know, if you just have five minutes in endo today, what are you going to do? What do you like to do with those DBs every day? What are you, what are you working on? Uh, just the initial footwork for us. So our corners, um, they do, um, we call it a step off, um, outside foot up. They, it's kind of just like it turns into a shuffle, so it's not a back pedal. Um, uh, we keep outside leverage at number one, so we'll work that. And then our safeties do. Uh, do a true back pedal. So, um, you know, first drill I'll do every day pretty much um, is just, I call it just two-speed pedal. So we do a walkout. Um, so we'll walk out with our safeties. They're at 10 yards. So ball snap, they're going to walk. And then as they feel that receiver uh, breaking their cushion, then they'll um, push the pedal to a fast pedal. So we'll do two-speed pedal. We'll walk out and go to fast pedal. And then we'll work breaks from there, 45 downhill, 45 uphill, um, 90 degrees left and right, all that good stuff. I, I still love the W drill. Um, that's one thing that I'll always keep that as long as I'm coaching secondary. Um, and we, we have like a three-step W where we keep it really tight, just working on uh, um, coming out of the break. You know, if you're a T-step kid, if you're a foot fire kid, and then we'll do like a five-step W expand a little bit okay i understand all that the brakes and the angles and uh the pedal and getting out of the pedal 
How do you help hips? You got those tight hip guys and you'd work on flips and turns. What, what drills do you do for that? Yeah, um, we got a down the line drill. So we'll two speed pedal, walk fast, and then we'll have them rotate their hips. You know, we'll, we'll do a left hip turn, crossover run, and then make them completely turn to the right. I'm not a big baseball turn guy in the secondary. I want to keep my, my hips to my opponents. So, um, We'll try to do that. We'll incorporate turns as much as we can. Um, you know, kind of the core philosophy for me is as long as my hips are square to my opponent, I'm still in the fight. You know, once I commit my hips, then I got to be right. Kind of the old joke that, you know, guys that can't catch the ball playing the secondary, do you incorporate balls in your drills? you think it's important to throw a ball at those guys? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I always I, – and I, I coach receivers um, for a couple of years. It was in a flex bone offense, so we just spent 15 minutes <laughs> blocking every day. But I always, give our, I always give our receivers coach crap, you know, because you look down there and receivers, they just play catch all day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but I think it's important, um, and that's something that I didn't do a good job of uh, early in my career. Um, but, I, I mean, ball is the game. And if you're not incorporating ball skills and in anything, I mean, if I'm coaching linebackers, I'm, I'm, you know, if I'm working on drops, I'm throwing a ball to them. It's important. So, yeah, we try to do, we try to do ball skill incorporated in any footwork drill. What do you wish ninth graders could do in the secondary by the time they get to you? What do you wish all junior high coaches that are listening now could do to help? make defensive backs varsity ready? Um, obviously, like, uh, I, I would like to see the same footwork drills we do in high school. I'd like to see them done in the junior high. Obviously, if you're coaching high school and you're also coaching junior high, then that makes it easy if you're not. Um, you know, I would recommend trying to put together, like, a drill tape that you would want for your junior high guys to, to run. I, I think a ninth grader – um, you know, they need to be able to have good feet. Um, you know, they need to be able to have decent hips. Um, you know, obviously your safeties, like I said, I want to, I want to see, even if they don't tackle with the right technique, just having that aggressive downhill mentality is going to be huge. I think above all else for a freshman, uh, the, the ability to communicate, you know, something simple as every snap, the corners telling their safeties how many receivers they have to their side. You know, if you're making, if you're running some kind of check coverage in the secondary, the safeties giving a verbal and a hand signal check to the corners every play. You know, I I coach our freshmen too, and I, I'm the freshman defensive backs coach, and you know that's something that I'm always on them about. You know, is communication, communication. No, I think that's seriously important. I just had this conversation with my football team this week. You guys get in trouble all day long because you won't shut up in class. And then I get you out here in the football field and I can't get you to talk. <laughs> so what's wrong with this picture, right? Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. There's no but, secrets, man. I mean we're all we're all in we're all in the same boat, coaches included. You know. Got to talk, got to communicate, and we try to have a hand signal to match every verbal signal that we call. 
uh, you know, an eight man, it's not too crazy. We don't play in too many loud stadiums, but if the kid's all the way on the other side of the field, the opposite corner, you know, you just have to be able to communicate with him. And so we try to yeah. teach our kids those same hand signals too. Yeah. And throughout the game, I mean, you're going to wear down and get tired. Um, you know, your communication, your verbal communication may lack, but it's where the hand signals come in. Sure. There's no energy to do that. Right, right. Well, Coach, we're already coming up on our time. It always goes fast for me, but, man, we appreciate you getting up part of your Sunday uh, during a busy game week prep, and congratulations to you guys on the win last week, and uh, just thanks for giving us some time today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This is, uh, has been awesome. Look forward to listening to more eight-man podcasts in the future. Awesome. Another one in the audience. We'll take you. Thanks, Coach. We'll see you. Yeah.